On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashi Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalam again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. Leo Varadkar is 150 days away from becoming Taoiseach for the second time. With the Leo the leak investigation behind him, the, the path is clear for the Taunish to, to become the Taoiseach once again, but it remains to be seen, will he be able to take advantage of that second chance in the Taoiseach's office? I'm Fiannan Chien, and today on the Indo-Daily, we look at the personality behind the power. If you have no family background in politics like 20-year-old medical student Leo Varadkar, why sign up to a party like Fine Gael? I don't come from a political family, but I suppose we always felt that if you wanted to change things, that politics was the best way to do that. I'm joined by Irish independent political editor and the author of a biography on Leo Varadkar, Philip Ryan. Leo Varadkar is poised to become Taoiseach again. Tell us about that final hurdle that he overcame. Yeah, so last week, um, the final stumbling block, the only thing that was really preventing him from becoming the next Taoiseach of the country was this Garda investigation into his decision to leak details of a GP contract which was to be awarded to the IMO to his friend in a rival uh, representative body for doctors. Uh, this all hit the media a couple of years ago. He stood up in the doll, apologised for it, uh, acknowledged that what he did was wrong. I do accept that the provision of the agreement by an informal communicational channel to the president of the NAGP in the way that I did was not good practice. I regret that I did not ensure that it was provided in a more appropriate formal manner. It was an error and one I accept sole responsibility for. Then a complaint was made to Angarda Siakana, who carried out a very thorough two-year investigation, which saw himself interviewed, saw Simon Harris interviewed as the former health minister, and saw his friend, Matthew O'Toole, interviewed the doctor, and, and a, a raft of other people and documents were looked at. The file was sent to the Director of Public Prosecution. The Director of Public Prosecution has now decided that there should be no charges, and it's all done and dusted. Um, there's talk of judicial reviews and things like this, and standards in public office complaints, but essentially it's done. There's no legal, um, he did nothing illegal in giving this document to his friend, and now the path is clear in the next five months for him to become the Taoiseach. And the problem being that if if he if there was prosecutions being brought against him or he was ending up going to court, people would have said that he would have to send aside. 
Well, that's exactly it. The the legal system here obviously moves quite slowly. So if we hadn't got a director of the, the DPP, hadn't actually given them any direction on what way they were planning, that could have been a problem. And if they had said there should be a prosecution, there should be charges brought against them, that would have been a huge issue because it would have resulted in a court case, who knows when, more than likely sometime into the term of when he is supposed to be Taoiseach. And it would have been a very messy situation where you had the leader of the country having to stand on trial in the High Court and explain why he was leaking documents. How damaging was the whole scandal? I think it is, it's more damaging than he realises himself. He uh, he has taken the opinion in recent times to, to come out and hit back as what he calls his sworn opponents who uh, were pushing this agenda and pushing the details of the of the, the leak and um, and why he did it and pushing the guard investigation. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look great for him. It looks a bit um, amateur error. It doesn't look very transparent in what he was doing. Uh, it didn't sit well with the public. His own personal ratings have, have fallen quite a bit in, in recent times since the pandemic and these details came out. So look, overall, it's it's not the, 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 the outcome of this Director of Public Prosecution investigation doesn't entirely vindicate him of any wrongdoing and there is still a bit of a mark on him over this. And nonetheless, his own party, Fianna Fáil and the Greens, stood by him through this period. Yeah, look, the, they didn't want to bring down the government over this. They might have had um, more trickier conversations to have to, to have amongst themselves within Fianna Fáil and the Green Party had there been a situation where he was facing charges. So you are Leo Varadkar's biographer. Leo, a very modern Taoiseach. One of his biographers. One of his biographers with, with your former colleague Niall O'Connor. And tell us about Leo Varadkar's background. Yeah, so Leo Fradker, he's a Dublin, Dublin-born man. Um, but the the interesting part to his background is that he is the son of an Indian father, Ashok, and his Waterford mother, Miriam, uh, who who met uh, while working together in England and and moved over here and set up their life in uh, West Dublin where Leo grew up, uh, grew up in a home where it was a GP practice within his home. And he he then in later life would go on to become a doctor himself and, and study medicine in Trinity. And, and, and that's... Um, that's a, a little bit of his background. He he went to to school in uh, King's College, um, that, that we know out that direction as well. He got in a little bit of trouble there in school. That was the only other and uh, noticeable time of him getting trouble when supposedly he brought fireworks into school. Uh, I'm not sure if Sinn Fein will bring that up in the doll, but <laughs> you never know with the the way the debates are going these days. And and then look, he's um, he he always said politics is always part of his life. His his father was very much into politics, uh, international politics. They discuss it at the, the dinner table, even as a young man. His mother remembers him telling a local shopkeeper that he wanted to be the health minister when he was, you know, five, six, seven years old. Um, we all say stupid things when we're kids, but like <laughs> it's not something that you would see that would have been his later in life. Then in, in college, he got involved in Fine Gael. He, he started hanging out with people there and, and joined the Fine, young Fine Gael there, became very prominent in the party, was known as a really good debater himself and Lucinda Creighton would, would take on all and sundry in the, in the debates um, in, in the college. And then he decided to take up electoral politics and he ran as a, for a council seat in uh, the 1999 general or local elections where he got something like 400 votes. It, it was a really poor outing. 
But in fairness to him, he didn't let that dent his ambition. And he ran again five years later where he was the, the poll topper for the entire country in the, the local authority vote, which obviously put him on the radar of the then uh, Fine Gael leader who was Enda Kenny. And there was a, an election, general election, three years later in 2007, where he, he ran in his Dublin West constituency and got a seat for the first time. And when he, when he came into the Dáil, he certainly made a name for himself as, again, he took that student debating style and really brought it into the Dáil and wasn't afraid to, to throw significant political digs at, you know, the leader of the country at the time, who was Bertie Ahern. We'll all remember him describing as his, uh, his strange financial records and accounts and Leo and the Dáil describing him as the, the stuff of drug dealers and crime gangs. And, and, and he would have made a name for himself in other debates as well. He got himself in trouble sometimes when he was talking about he had a go at his own former party leader, Gareth Fitzgerald, uh, in one debate, and he was forced to apologise to the family. And slowly but surely, he was building this reputation, building a persona as being a straight-talking politician. This is an appalling botch job. You're a Gareth Fitzgerald. You've, you've doubled the na- you've tripled the national debt. You've... Uh... Uh, effectively destroyed the country, and now you've a, a dirty, wasteful bot job uh, of, of, of the cabinet shuffle. That's the last thing you do. So enjoy writing your boring articles in the Irish Times in a few years. Time. Eventually, when Fine Gael swept into power after the financial crash, he was uh, made a, a cabinet minister and was given the transport portfolio. What was his relationship like with Enda Kenny, both in opposition and government? It it, it was strained, um, I think, from the very beginning because. Even in young Fine Gael himself and others would have been dissenters and, and, and speaking out against Kenny and his leadership style. In government, there was always rumblings about Kenny's leadership. We know that the, the big, the big uh, event was in 2010 when a group, including Leo Radker, sought to push Enda Kenny out of uh, the leadership position just ahead of a general election. They felt he had to go. But again, he um, Radker picked a losing side on that, on, on that occasion. But in fairness to, to to Kenny, he decided to to keep him within his uh, inner circle and appointed him to the cabinet. Noted that he had some talent and he was um, a benefit to the party. So, and I suppose you, also the the strategy of keeping your enemies close was employed there, and 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 that was Leo's first time serving a cabinet. So he was minister for transport and is now remembered most notably for his stance on guard whistleblowers uh, highlighting wrongdoing within the penalty point system. Mm, Why? Yeah, that's an interesting one as well. And this is another occasion where he kind of stood out from the crowd and was able to differentiate himself from other politicians by not always carrying the party line, not always spouting out the the speaking points that he was handed by this party uh, upper upper echelon. The guard whistleblowers only released the information that they did after they tried and failed to have their concerns addressed through official channels and proper means. There have been many words to use to describe their actions in recent months, but if I was to use one word, the word I would use is distinguished. In this occasion, it was that the, the, the whistleblower, Morris McKay, was coming under fire from the then commissioner who had went to an Oireachtas committee and, and had described their behaviour as disgusting. Leo Radker took the decision to go to a road safety authority event um, where he, he described Morris McCabe as, as a distinguished whistleblower because of the work he had done on exposing uh, the, the, the quashing of penalty points by Gardaí for their friends and family and, and various other people. He goes on to become Minister for Health, Minister for Social Protection, 
anything there stand out from his records in those departments? The main thing you'll be remembered for is something that he didn't do in the Department of Health was that he decided to shelve ultimately what was Fine Gael's big plan for the health system, this universal health insurance, which everybody would have got and would have given them more access to healthcare and better healthcare. That was uh, his predecessor, James Riley, was very much pushing that proposal. It was part of Fine Gael's election manifesto going into the, the 2011 general election. But Radker, he shelved that one, pushed it back and was done with it. In social protection, he's probably most known for the the slogan he came up with to clamp down on welfare fraud, which was uh, welfare cheats cheat us all. And it was a big campaign on buses and himself holding out placards. Now, the point of it was very much to to target the Fine Gael base um, ahead of what he knew was a forthcoming leadership election. And he really wanted to tap into that, 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 that core Fine Gael centre-right vote that uh, that has that has essentially remained with him throughout all this. And and, it, and he he's tried to tap into it again recently by talking about tax cuts and things like that. But that that is pr- probably the, the one that, that he'll be remembered most and, and most gets to see when he goes on the internet and people put up pictures of him holding those signs. During this time as well, he makes a, a significant personal announcement. I am a gay man. It's uh, not, not a secret, um, but not something that... Everyone would necessarily necessarily know, but uh, isn't something I've spoken publicly about before. It's not something that defines me. I, I'm not a half Indian politician, or a, you know, or a doctor politician, or, or a gay politician for that matter. It's just um, it's just part of who I am. It doesn't define me, but um, uh, it is it is part of my character, I suppose. This was a big one for him. Um, it it kind of just gets forgotten and ignored these days because it's just. You know, society has changed so much, but it, it was very difficult for for Leo Radker, I'd say, in the lead up to his decision in 2015 to to publicly come out and say that he was a gay man. There was, I suppose, rumour and innuendo around Leinster House about this. He was under some form of pressure from various media outlets who, who, who were looking for comment on this from him. But he took the decision and, and I think he put a lot of thought into the decision and I think he 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 needed to do it. To, to, to just put the issue to bed and 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 again, not unlike the DPP situation, cleared away from to become the leader of Fine Gael and Taoiseach. So he went on the the Miriam O'Callaghan show and sat down with her and, and made a big announcement. And, you know, it was celebrated. It, it was a great achievement. I, I did the following year, we voted for marriage equality to be introduced in the country. And it, and it was... Um, a significant shift. There's not many gay leaders in the world and he's, Leo Radker is among a small handful. In 2017 then, Enda Kenny uh, stands down as, as, as Fine Gael leader. Tell us about Leo Radker's campaign and, and the people he had around up at that point. Leo Radker's campaign was interesting in that it was trying to give the impression of not campaigning to oust Enda Kenny while quite covertly doing exactly that. And and a lot of people, they would suggest in Leo's camp, try to insist that, oh, they didn't force out Enda Kenny. But essentially, they were they were working away for months, if not a year, 
in advance, in, in building up a support base, going around, gathering the, the intelligence on, on who would be supporting Leo Varadkar, writing down there was lists and charts and, and all sorts. And people had been taken in and appointed as, as lieutenants to, to oversee this operation. There was people as far flung as Phil Hogan over in Brussels at the time to own Murphy on the ground here and others, uh, John Paul Phelan, who were involved in collecting this data, ensuring that Leo Radker had the numbers when the time came. Now, they weren't out there forcefully forcing Enda Kenny out. There was one occasion in a parliamentary party meeting in 2016, I believe, or early 2017, whereby Leo Radker and Simon Coveney had, had come together to stand up to say that Enda Kenny needed to give the party some indication of when he decided to step down. Eventually, the, 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 the contest began and it was held in the summer of 2017. Around the world, people look to Ireland to be reminded that this is a country where it doesn't matter where, you're, where you come from, but rather where you want to go. And I know when my father travelled 5,000 miles to build a new home in Ireland, I doubt he ever dreamed that his son would one day grow up to become its leader. And that despite his differences, his son would be treated the same and judged by his actions and character, not his origins or identity. And because Leo Radker had put in the groundwork, he just wiped out Simon Coveney, who really didn't have any support at all in the party to succeed Enda Kenny, except, strangely, amongst the, the grassroots of the party who did support him. So Leo becomes Taoiseach. How does that first term in office work out for him? The first term in office can be looked at in a couple of ways, in, in, in two parts. There was the run-up to the general election, where there was... Uh, uh, the, 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 the election was held in early 2020 and before that there was a budget. Fine Gael being Fine Gael were very obsessed and worrying about the national debt and they were celebrating the fact that they had uh, kept it down so low. They were also celebrating the fact they'd done what they thought at the time was such a great deal on Brexit and they based their entire general election campaign about uh, around that fact. But it was disastrous, and Leo Radker returned one of the worst Fine Gael results in history for, for his party. After that, there was um, a period of political inertia because of the, the numbers that had given back, that the electorate had, had returned, in that there, there was pretty much the same seats between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and Sinn Féin. So this, and then, at the same time, COVID struck. At a certain point, we will advise the elderly and people who have a long-term illness to stay at home for several weeks. We're putting in place the systems to ensure that if you are one of them, you will have food supplies and are checked on. We call it cocooning, and it will save many lives. And it gave Leo Radker an opportunity to see, to be a crisis time Taoiseach, a wartime Taoiseach, to step up there, to deal with this once in a lifetime pandemic that shut down the entire world. And he, he did a good job in the public's eyes that they saw his approval rating skyrocketed, Fina Gale's rating skyrocketed. And by most metrics, they, they did do a good job on the pandemic and kept the debts down low and kept the illnesses down as low as possible. So he'll be remembered, I think, within Fine Gael for losing all those seats, but maybe the public will see him as someone who was a steady hand during the pandemic. 
During that pandemic period, we, we saw uh, he likes his pop culture references, doesn't he? Yeah, this is a guy who doesn't uh, hide his guilty pleasures at all. This is um, a Taoiseach who tried to welcome Kylie Minogue into government buildings when she was performing her. He also went along and saw Kylie Minogue and got a picture with her. He His COVID pandemic speeches were littered with references to movies from Mean Girls, Lord of the Rings, The Terminator. Some have asked whether there's a limit to what we can achieve. My answer is that limit does not exist. We've been here before and we know the way out. All these uh, all these cultural references, which which are entertaining in some respect, but also probably on the political front, help him tap into a kind of a younger vote base and, and give the impression or at least uh, reach out the hand and say, look, guys, I'm... I'm just cool like you. <laughs> yeah, he is a social media Taoiseach though, isn't he? Yeah, but how? I don't know that he's very good at it. Like, If we go back a while in one of his more um, noteworthy social media um, posts was putting a fork in a dishwasher on Facebook. So <laughs> that's the one I always remember. He, uh, it's hit or miss. And, and, and Leo Varadkar, that is him though. He is the Marmite politician in Ireland at the moment. Love him or hate him. Yeah, uh, look, when he first came in, it was very unusual. Like I said earlier, he was a straight talker. He he said what people were thinking. He he very much seemed like someone who was going against the, the old order. I think as time progresses, people have got more used to him. They see him as a, he's a little bit more uh, straight up and down, uh, link, like the, the politicians of old. There's also... The, on the other side of it, he does have, you know, the, 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 like the online trolls and his significant detract, detractors who, who there's nothing he could do right, no matter what he what he does. And they see him as some sort of right wing ideologue, which probably isn't fair, especially when you see the social policy achievements of the governments he's been in with regard to uh, marriage equality, with regard to abortion, with regard to um, allowing gay men give blood, all these type of things which which wouldn't be associated with a uh, quote right-wing politician. But he he's having a second chance again. He's, he's going back into the office in a few months and we'll have to see what type of politician he's going to be. Is he a politician that will once again try to uh, enact policies to, to to bring the people of Ireland behind him, or is he going to be a politician which is more focused on his own party and trying to revive the hopes of Fine Gael and the core base that we spoke about that that they represent? And Philip, what has Leo Varadkar's relationship been like with Michal Martin? I'm always um, amused and bemused that Deputy Martin likes to accuse me of being uh, partisan and personal, yet. Uh, as is evidenced by his, his, his name calling today, uh, he's very capable of being um, partisan and personalised himself. Um, he kind of reminds me of one of those parish priests who preaches from the altar telling us uh, to avoid sin while uh, secretly going behind the altar and engaging in um, any, any amount of sin himself. When they were in opposition, or when Mial Martin was in opposition and Leo Varadkar was in government, it wasn't a great relationship. They would be constantly sniping at each other across the dial. Some of the commentary could have could get quite personal at times. Um, I think Leo Varadkar referred to uh, Mial Martin as a sinning priest once. And but then after the twenty twenty general election, they as needs must, they came together and formed the country's first um, grand coalition that we all heard of, with the Green Party, of course, to to make sure they had the numbers to get votes through the doll. And 
I suppose it has worked to some extent. The, the government's still standing. Um, Leo Radker hasn't changed his ways and is very much uh, a politician of one-upmanship who always likes to get out ahead of the, his uh, colleagues when it comes to announcements or, or pushing the narrative around the government's work in a certain direction. That doesn't always sit well with Micheál Martin in Fianna Fáil. We can see that recently when um, the, the Leo Radker decided to essentially write his own budget and, and announce it in April of this year, and to, to, to again to push the, the narrative in a certain direction, and and that, and that has irked though many in Fianna Fáil, including the Taoiseach. With the change of power coming in a couple of months, it'll be a very different dynamic between the pair, and it remains to be seen how well that'll work. And my thanks to Philip Ryan. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. <laughs>